0: Welcome to Live at the Nut Bar. You're here with JB and
1: David Cunningham. Hey, uh, why did we call this thing Live at the Nut Bar, JB?
0: Well, because we have a bar at work and it's called the Nut Bar and I guess we usually do it from there, but today I'm at home with a cold and
1: I guess you're down in Welly. I'm down in the beautiful Kapiti coast, the sun's out and the wind stopped blowing. So, hey, uh, it's a great day. A great day to be a New Zealander, but hey, the economy's not feeling too great right now. So I thought we'd, today we'd have a chat about the economy, some of the influences and sort of perhaps explore some of the bigger sort of global sort of things going on that impact New Zealand. And perhaps ask the question, why are we so negative? Because <laughs> overseas people, you had a story the other day about someone that came back from overseas and talked about just how gloomy we were. So do you want to perhaps start with that story?
0: Well, yeah, look, I've had a few people now coming back from overseas just saying, wow, you know, relative to the rest of the world, it's pretty depressed down here. And, and I guess, you know, we have had this technical recession, you know, a couple of quarters of no growth. So the reality is we are probably feeling it a bit tougher than most.
1: Yeah, the rest of the world is not in recession. I think that's probably one of the big insights of the last year is that all the economists globally were picking low or negative growth, but actually the global growth is sitting at sort of a couple of a percent. So what was expected to happen hasn't happened except here in New Zealand. So why do you think we've gone into, you know, technical recession? Some economists are calling for positive growth in the June quarter, which is obviously history now, six weeks ago, uh, that quarter finished, and we'll know what yeah. the Outcome is in another six weeks or something, but um, the signs are that the second half of this year is going to be pretty ugly. eh?
0: Yeah, yeah, you'd have to say so. And I mean, if we if we get back to real basics, you know, high interest rates, we're a highly geared economy. I mean, we don't have huge amounts of government debt, but obviously our household mortgage debt is high, and you know, we've also got high debt levels across agriculture.
1: Yeah, Um, so hey, that's quite a nice segue into the big news of the week, probably, and something that the media didn't really pick up on, and economists are really just starting to talk about it now, which is the cut in the forecast dairy payout for next season by $1. Now, the insight from that is that's, I think, a couple of billion dollars out of farmers' pockets. So instead of playing that through, if you're a farmer, what's happened to your profitability?
0: (laughs) Well, it's been smashed, but I, I guess there's two parts to this, Dave, because the input costs have gone up as well. So, fertiliser costs, in particular, have got a lot more expensive. And if you think of um, the cost of debt, has been a cost for any farmer that's carrying you know reasonable level of debt, they've had a massive increase in cost.
1: Mm. Yeah, there was a survey out just today that said, it was, so it was in a, you know, one of those sort of surveys, what's happening, how you're feeling and so on for the agri-sector. And the startling thing there was that a net 1.2%, I think it was, just over 1% of farmers said they'd make a profit this year. So in other words, some say they'll make a loss, some say they'll make a profit, but wow, that's pretty startling. What's the flow and impact of that through New Zealand's economy?
0: I don't know. I mean, I guess the fly impact is just all of the industry that sits around farmers. And, uh, you know, like the last time I recall seeing this, I just know that they stopped spending money. You know, a lot of them started to sort of run down their farms a bit, you know, so repairs and maintenance started to drop off they weren't fertilizing as much they were in survival
1: mode and I, and yeah, I guess buying, buying buying fewer tractors and so on I mean I guess that yeah. the terminology I've heard is you know protect the core herd you know keep your business going but remove your discretionary spending or delay it
0: I've always been staggered about how hard farming is you know a lot of the farmers that I talk to you know they have the odd good year but they certainly have their fair share of tough years you know, mm. it's, it's a, I think it's a pretty tough gig to be in. You know, most farmers seem to make their money when they get out, you know, when they sell the farm.
1: Mm, it's a jo- lifestyle and a generational thing to a point, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. But yeah, look, so I guess if we think about agri, that's not in such great shape at the moment. Horticulture's obviously had terrible weather situation in New Zealand over the last, certainly over the last year. Um, so that's probably not faring too good either. High interest rates, we've just talked about it in the context of farms and and farm debt levels, and you're really tough for farmers. Um, but then you bring it back to households, and we know that you know we've got three hundred billion of household debt out there, uh, and we've still got what at least a percent of you know increased rates still to come through.
1: Yep, average mortgage rate that households are paying on their home loans, the three fifty billion dollars of home loans is five point one percent now. The best mortgage rate out there today would be about 6.5%,
0: JB? Oh, if you're lucky. I guess if you're out at three effects, it would be sort of down that sort of level. Um, obviously, shorter term rates are higher than that. I think we've talked about this before, but, you know, in the U.S., interest rates are as as high as they are here. So why the difference? And and I think the difference is um, stock and flow, right? So in the U.S., anyone buying a property at the moment who can't transfer their existing mortgage is going to end up with a very high interest rate. And so what you sort of see in the U.S. is that the housing market is pretty weak at the moment. But most American borrowers are on thirty-year fixed rates, so they're on incredibly low interest rates. So what the high interest rates do is they stop um, housing turnover, but it doesn't impact the consumer's wallet in the same way that interest rate changes here impact on the consumer wallet. Um, in Australia, obviously the the flow through from interest rate changes is really rapid because most Australians are on floating rates, uh, and hence you know in Aussie they haven't moved rates as high as us. But we've had this question for a while, Dave, which is, you know, has the Reserve Bank gone too far? Mm. You know, most economists say they haven't gone far enough. I think we've always argued that they're probably going to go too far. And I think if you look at the state of the economy at the moment, and you go, we've still got another 1% of rate increase to flow through, that doesn't feel so hot, right?
1: Yeah, or probably one and a half percent, actually. Yeah. So, you know, we've had Probably, I think I've sort of said, around 50, 55% of the increase in mortgage rates for households. So if you're tightening your belt, um, there's a bit more to come. And I suppose the other insight is a lot of people built up big mortgage buffers. In other words, you know, kept paying the same amount when interest rates were low. So there's a decent buffer there. But as each day passes and you reprice, that buffer gets eaten away. So, you know, again, it's that really lagged effect in our in our economy because of the nature of our housing market. Australia's had a bit of that, but our housing market is very, very different from theirs. Hey, um, there's been a few interesting terms come up over the last few years, things like the great resignation, which was post COVID people were saying, bugger it, you know, there's there's a happier place in life. And so this is sort of a term a couple of years ago about the great resignation, people that checked out of the workforce. Interestingly, in New Zealand, our participation rates are the highest they've ever been uh driven by not so much males entering the workforce but more and more females entering the workforce and more and more school kids too younger people entering the workforce so it feels to me like the great resignation hasn't happened in new zealand any reflections on that sort of piece why are people so many more people getting jobs seeking jobs
0: I can only talk for my kids. I mean, they earn pretty good money these days, right? Like when we were young, you know, I mean, it was a different time, but I think I can still remember earning $3.70 an hour.
1: <laughs> yeah, mate, mate I, I had a paper round when I was 10 or 12, and I earned $2.14 a week for about five hours work. A
0: week.
1: <laughs> Six hours work a week, actually. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, there's good money to be in for young people.
0: Yeah, and the interesting thing is that with the technology and everything else, I think what you can buy with that money, you know, if you look outside of things like housing and, and stuff like that, which is horrendously expensive, if you're looking beyond, you know, having to, I guess, bring up a family for young people with a single, free, earning good money, um, you know, it's, a, it's actually quite appealing, isn't it? Mm,
1: mm, mm. so you know but i guess the underlying theme is that there have been jobs uh because we had a job shortage because we had no migration and so you know the great resignation hasn't really played out but that's been supporting the economy which is i guess one reason why the unemployment rate which i think came out last week since we last talked um rose mildly but employment itself went up pretty significantly um you know so that's been a factor that's positive but I suppose the other couple of terms that are interesting, another is revenge tourism. What the hell's that? <laughs> it's been
0: a... I think that's, that's something that you've been
1: throwing around.
0: So you're you're probably
1: better to talk to revenge tourism. Yeah, hey, so well, we were cooped up in New Zealand for what well, almost best part of two to three years and so on, didn't spend didn't travel overseas and revenge tourism is all is us all Back travelling and and many of the economies around the world, domestic tourism, uh, airlines are having a booming trade. A little less so globally because China's you know was locked down for a lot longer, and um, their economy is. Coming very weak, so they're sort of doing more domestic tourism than international tourism. But hey, we've all got this urge to travel overseas as New Zealanders, and we hadn't been able to do it for a while. So tourism's sort of been going up. So that's sort of also been reversed in terms of people coming to New Zealand, which has supported the economy till now. And and I'd like to coin a new phrase, which is revenge migration. <laughs> which is, in my description of that, would be. You couldn't come to New Zealand on your working holiday you couldn't come to New Zealand from wherever in the world you know Asia or you know Philippines or South Africa or the UK or anywhere to work or to immigrate here or for your working holiday and so that revenge migration is sort of the re-emergence of tourism and migration which has solved in many ways that shortage of labour in New Zealand along with more workers in the workforce which makes those employment statistics really strong But what I'd argue, when you've got an economy in recession or technically in recession, but likely to have a pretty tough second half of the year, and when you've got the agri sector and the flow on to provincial New Zealand, meaning people are employers in those parts of the economy are going to be cutting costs and Mm. not buying things. And therefore, if you're sort of right-sins in Timaru, you're not going to be taking on more staff. If anything, you're going to be having fewer staff and you're certainly not going to be giving the sort of pay rises. So... That migration has happened, which increases the demand for accommodation, housing and so on. But that will stop pretty quickly when the jobs start to dry up. And I guess that's been the thing that the Reserve Bank signalled it wanted to see back in November last year when it said we are going to engineer a recession and unemployment will rise materially. It hasn't yet, but it feels like all those signals are there that it's really going to start to move over the next six to 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, I guess, um, I mean, you really need to see unemployment sort of creeping into the services sector, right? Mm. That's where you need to see it. So I think back to the GFC, unemployment rate got up to about 6.5%. Mm. But you definitely saw, you know, a lot more softness in the services sector than, you know, we've seen this time around so far. But it's it's always the services sector, I think, that, you know, it, it takes a
1: while, but it does eventually get hit in a recessionary environment. Hmm. and look it's without bad doom and gloom it probably doesn't necessarily mean a lot of new zealanders lose their jobs it just means that employment uh, there are more workers available to work than there are jobs sort of going and i think a lesson for new zealand employers is don't let go of your good people or your people at all uh, because they're really hard to get back and retrain when you need them as the as things get better so you sort of hold on to them but you're employing the next employee ain't going to happen which again sort of will stunt that employment growth and you know more people um naturally growing economy a little bit more migration coming means unemployment sort of naturally rises
0: yeah absolutely i remember that back in the gfc where you know people didn't let go of good staff you know we had so many um clients who were working you know four day weeks the company wanted to reduce its wage bill and, and you know many companies needed to but they didn't want to lose their staff and so you know there was a it was a really good response to that. And I we saw something similar at the start of COVID as well, where you know it was all focused on keeping people employed and people took less hours.
1: Mm. Hey, so why then are uh, financial markets still pricing in another OCR hike? <laughs> yeah,
0: oh, no, I have no idea. <laughs> um yeah, no, no, it's bizarre, isn't it? I mean that core inflation's sort of been as as I think you said last time, it's been a little bit high, a little bit higher than where everyone would feel comfortable. I guess we haven't seen the hard evidence coming through yet that that, that's on the decline or -hmm. further on the decline, but it it doesn't feel like that that's too far away. Mm -hmm. But I think like anything, uh, I mean, you know that the wholesale markets jump around a lot. They're quite volatile. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it will take much to suddenly see a significant jump down
1: in where these rates are at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have be going sideways for the best part of a couple of months now when I look at the one mm. and two swap rates, which are probably what the terms most people are taking at the moment. Um, but even the longer term rates aren't really factoring in a, a, a rapid decline in the near term in the official cash rate. Of course, the Reserve Bank, it sets monetary conditions and then it sort of has to wait for 6, 12, 18 months, two years for them to sort of play out. Eh? So mm. that transmission is really slow. But I think every statistic I've seen come out in recent times is reaffirming their view. It's not saying unemployment jumps rapidly or inflation falls immediately. But all the transmission mechanisms are doing what you'd expect. You've got inflation expectations below 3%. And the inflationary expectation survey came out just the other day. And again, it was, you know, sub 3%. Yeah, sure, a year away. And I guess the econ- argument from some economists is, hold on, how can you not be putting interest rates up if inflation is still 5 or 6% and not going to fall back into that target 1% to 3% band, you know, in six or nine months? But, you know, my point would be, All the signals are there. They're all playing out as expected. And therefore, when wholesale markets, participants get that confidence that the reserve bank is definitely done and that, yeah, it may sit here for six or 12 months. But the next cycle is going to be potentially quite an aggressive easing sort of down to maybe an OCR of 3% perhaps from five and a half today. Then suddenly, those interest rates and in the, for the longer terms um, in the wholesale markets, which basically determine home loan interest rates, it could fall pretty rapidly, you know, 1% inside sort of six months, I, I'd, I'd argue, if not more.
0: Yeah, no, quite easily. But the big thing for me at the moment is uh, the election. So, right, yeah. You know we've got all this economic stuff but there's a lot riding on this election and i think you've got quite different outcomes depending whether you have a sort of a labor-led government or or a national one and um and you know who knows what the flying impacts of that will be sort of post-election so it almost feels like we're in a bit of a hiatus at the moment but, you know, that election result could have quite a big impact on the economy.
1: Yeah, you you reckon, look, I'd argue that there's we're all riding on the election in terms of uncertainty, because it is a given, in my view, that the Labour government will be turfed out, um, you know, national plus actors got the numbers the the big news probably of the last week or two is, you know, the reemergence of New Zealand first. I saw Winston Peters on the TV a couple of days ago. Actually, it was the day after you and I had talked about it, and you sort of, Said that he'd be in the next, in the you know, have, be over the five percent threshold. New Zealand First will be over the five percent threshold, and after watching him on TV, man, he is a master politician. He will be back. His party will get five, six, seven percent, but he ain't going with Labor. And he's made that really clear. And so there is no way Labour will form the next government. And so we are headed and headed for a national led government. And the policies that they've announced and will continue to announce will be the things that flow through the economy. That's my view.
0: Yeah, look, I, I agree. I think, you know, but wait for the election. And then, um, you know, that could that could stimulate a little bit of sort of positivity coming back into parts of the economy. If we think about the housing market. At the moment, the removal of interest deductibility on rental properties is a is a real weight on parts of the market. So, you know, uh, reintroducing interest deductibility, I think, will have quite a positive impact on parts of the housing market. I see Westpac's come out saying
1: they think house prices will go up 8% next year. Wow, I hadn't seen that.
0: What's the rationale
1: for that? I only saw the headline. Okay, well, perhaps that's next week's topic. I mean, we've long been arguing that house prices are are bumping along the bottom. You know, when you look at construction costs, when you look at, you know, return to long run uh, trends and so on. You know, we had this incredible boom, which finished in about November 21. So, you know, we've had that reversion to... To trend we've had the reserve bank say uh something like they're they're at sustainable levels um so yeah to be sort of hearing a significant rise in house prices i mean eight percent's not a small number jb
0: no it's not um but you know i guess it would just be unwinding a bit of the fall right because mm. we've had a, we've had a pretty significant fall in house prices so at the same time as having a reasonable level of underlying inflation so in real terms house prices have come back quite far if interest rates you know come down a bit, uh, stabilize or come down a bit um you get uh, nationally government with the reintroduction of tax deductibility um you know all of those factors you, you could see contributing towards you know a housing market that starts to pick up a bit more.
1: Mm. So, what are you seeing from an advisor perspective? Um, you know, we see a uh, might a lot of deals through Squirrel. What are what are you seeing? Who's buying? Who's not buying? Who's standing on the sidelines? What's the attitude to prices? Is there a fear of missing out or fear of overpaying? Or what what's the mood that you're seeing from customers uh, right
0: now? The fear of overpaying's well and truly gone. I think mm. most people sense that if you can be in market at the moment, um, it's quite a good market to be in. Um, you know, house prices are down across the board, not just in the, you know, the less affluent suburbs, but also uh, in central Auckland. There's been some really good buying in the inner city suburbs as well. So, um, you know, house prices are back at least 20%, and in some cases as much as 30%. So, um, yeah, no, like there's people sense that there's good buying. People sense that this is a top of an interest rate cycle um i think there's you know probably a bit of an emerging view that you're going to have a center right government uh at the end of the year all of that's positive for housing um the immigration data has been pretty strong lately um rents have been going up vacancy rates for rental properties particularly in in metro locations is really low so demand's high or all of that sort of is positive for housing there's still not a lot of activity occurring we're coming off incredibly low levels of housing activity we're still not busy out there um but it's busier than it has been and look i don't think it's it's going to get overly busy because the reality is interest rates are still really high and affordability is still tough right
1: yeah, I think um, Auckland's house prices fell slightly last month, the rest of the country more stable. In fact, Wellington rose slightly. Um, is that simply because of the really high gearing and larger size loans in Auckland, which which mean the interest rates buy even more there than in other places? Is that the factor behind oh, Auckland?
0: Well, I'd, I'd struggle with the data month to month because I think it can right. be heavily influenced. Um, look, at the moment, you don't have high levels of uh, activity um particularly in higher value properties so you know um at the same time i th- and i think i saw some data recently you've had the highest level i think ever of houses um at completion you know new builds mm. Mm. and most of the new builds in auckland are entry level prices most of the sales activity that would be occurring at the moment or most of the settlement activity that would be occurring at the moment would be you know kind of those new builds Coming into market. And I think you've seen some headlines with the odd one, you know, falling over or buyers defaulting at settlement and properties needing to be resold at a loss. You know, that sort of stuff acts to drag prices down.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it could be as simple as, as just sort of saying, look, there's a whole lot of new build activity coming into the market at the moment. Uh, and that's, that's helping keep prices down.
1: Yeah. It's sort of interesting because we started out with, you know, quite a pessimistic view of the. <laughs> The, the economy and how tough the second half of the year is going to be as interest rates bite as that agri downturn sort of bites. Um, but actually, when you look forward a bit further into 2024, uh, things actually could be a damn positive year, actually, couldn't it? It is the pain that the benefit from the pain that we're sort of maybe experiencing now pays its dividend. So, you know, I think, I mean, I was looking back over squirrels own numbers for this year, and it was really clear after things were quite positive until November last year when the Reserve Bank sort of tightened and more than yeah. expected that was the 75-point hike and the shot across the bows in terms of unemployment going up, mm-hmm. wanting to put the country into recession to get inflation under control. And, and that really killed the housing market December, January, February, in terms of new activity, into March too. But since April, our own numbers have been actually pretty strong, and like August is shaping up to be a record month by 35% higher than ever before for us. So you know something's going right. It's partly a squirrel effect. We're brilliant, obviously, <laughs> but but you know there must be an underlying things that sort are of happening in the market. And so I guess we've got these sort of push and pull factors that make us feel gloomy, and there's lots of gloomy news, and the the media sort of likes negative stories rather than positive, probably but actually next year could be a pretty positive year for the country I reckon
0: yeah look if this is as bad as it gets then it's not too bad really is it you know yeah.
1: we're yeah. bouncing
0: along with no growth but it's no great depression mm. unemployment's still really low it's tough people are having to tighten the belts for a lot of people out there it's not easy at the moment mm. um, but they'll survive it you know they'll make it through Couple of lean years, couple of tough years, and then, you know, we'll be back into it again.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to have a positive finish after a bit of a negative start. <laughs> so, hey, until next week. Bye from Dave. Enjoy, Dave. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you have any questions or things you'd like us to talk about in the future, get in touch with us at david at squirrel.co.nz or john at squirrel.co.nz. And please do share this uh, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not financial advice or a recommendation of any financial product. Any commentary provided are personal views and are not necessarily representative of the opinions of Squirrel. As always, we recommend seeking professional investment or mortgage advice before taking any action.